This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 315, Federal Fun with Federal Funds with Mike Grimm. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, what is even better than a five-star review on this podcast? Well, it's actually sharing it with a friend. More people find podcasts because friends recommend it than any other way. So hit that share button in your podcast app and send this episode to a friend right now. Let us know you did, and we'll send you a copy of our favorite book free of charge. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode. I've got a story for you. Ida Mae Fuller. Have you heard of her? Well, she's definitely related to you in a distant kind of way. She was born on September 6, 1874 on a farm outside of Ludlow, Vermont. She attended a school in Rutland, Vermont, where one of her classmates actually was Calvin Coolidge. Surprising enough, she became a school teacher and later a legal secretary for John G. Sargent, who would become the attorney general under Coolidge. She never married, had no children. And in 1937, she started to pay into Social Security taxes as a part of a new federal retirement program called Social Security. It was only enacted in 1935. She paid a total of $24.75 into Social Security taxes over those three years. And in November 1939, she filed her retirement claim at the Redland Social Security office, curious about these weird new retirement benefits she might receive. In fact, she later said, it wasn't that I expected anything, mind you, but I knew I'd been paying in for something called Social Security, and I wanted to ask the people in Rutland about it. Her claim was processed and approved in Washington, D.C., and sent to the Treasury Department for payment on January 31, 1940. Ida May received the very first Social Security check ever issued, check number 00000001 in the amount of $22.54, which is about $436 in today's dollars. She was surprised, delighted by the amount, which was you know, almost equal to her monthly rent. She continued to receive this monthly Social Security benefit for the rest of her life. And guess what? She lived to be 100 years old, passing away in 1975. So during her lifetime, she collected a total of $22,888 in Social Security benefits, which was more than 900 times the amount she put into the Social Security system. Now, if that's not a bellwether of things to come, I don't know what is. In the 1930s and 40s, the average life expectancy for an American male was 60 years old and 64 years old for a woman, according to the CDC. So the fact that Ida made it to age 100 was unbelievable back then, and even now today would be an incredible feat, and a real example of just how beneficial federal retirement benefits like Social Security can be for those who are planning and hope to live a long time in retirement. Now, of course, Social Security is just one of many benefits available to every American, but there's a whole different system of retirement benefits available to those who work for the federal government. Now, currently, there are around 29 million people working for federal, state, and local governments in the United States. That would include your civilian federal employees, post-service workers, 
active duty military, and even contract employees. So that's almost 10% of the entire U.S. population working to support the governments that we are all participating in and enjoy. That means one in 10 people are relying on the taxes that are paid into that system. So even if you are not working for a government position as a taxpayer, you're really going to want to pay attention to today's episode because you are paying for the livelihood and retirement benefits of someone who does work for one of those governments. And currently, almost two in 10 federal employees are eligible to retire right now. Let that sink in for a minute. That means one in five people are ready to retire right now and start collecting benefits, meaning they're no longer working for the government. They're just retiring and living off of that government paycheck. And in the next five years, that's going to increase to three in 10 federal employees who will be ready to retire. But are they ready to receive their benefits? Do they know the best way to take those benefits? Guys, I got to tell you, as I was doing research for this episode, there is a whole maze of alphabet soups and acronyms like FERS and CSRS and TSPs and FEHB and premiums and more. All this stands in the way of clarity about how you're going to feel and what it's going to be like and if you can pay the bills after you retire from your government position. And even if you don't work for the federal government, you're certainly paying for it. And it probably benefits you just to know as a taxpayer how your taxpayer dollars are being put to work to help federal employees right off into the sunset. So we really need some help building clarity around all the benefits that can be made available to folks who have government jobs. And that's why I brought on my guest today. Mike Grimm, my guest today, is the president and founder of Federal Employee Benefits Professionals. He specializes in federal employee benefits and retirement planning. Now, before starting his business, Mike retired from the U.S. government as a federal agent and a deputy director with the National Nuclear Security Administration. So you know I got to ask him about that. Mike's current mission, however, is to help federal employees manage their benefits for a safe and secure retirement. So we get into the benefits of having a predictable income stream coming both from your federal pension and also some other strategies outside of the government. We talk about all the healthcare benefits available to federal employees, and we talk about how the bank on yourself strategy can be used in conjunction with all these retirement benefits that are available to you, even when you have a guaranteed pension. So does bank on yourself still make sense, even if you have a pension from an entity as massive as the U.S. government? That won't make you wait any longer. Here is my fascinating conversation with Mike Grimm. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So glad to be with you again. And last time we were really hanging out together, what happened? Take us back to that moment, that fateful day uh, when uh, I went flying over the handlebars of my bike. (laughs) Right, Mark. It was a day I won't forget. We were in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming and doing a little downhill mountain biking. And I was just kind of leading the the way in front of you there. And and, uh, I had navigated around some roots. And I thought, you know, when I go past this, I better just kind of hold up here a little bit and see how Mark navigates this. And next thing you know, I kind of heard this, oh, I, thought, oh, I know what happened there. So <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of went over the handlebars and had an emergency room visit, if I remember right. That's right. It, it didn't end well. I was the last time I went down the mountain that day. I hope to get back there and conquer that mountain, but it, it felt a little like that old Nintendo game, Excite Bike, if folks remember those days uh, when the little biker flies off his bike and has to crawl his way back to the bike to get the race going again. 
happily I was not going down alone and you were there with me. And I think honestly, that is a great segue into the kind of work you do for folks today. Let me make this metaphor transition. And then I'd love to hear you tell us a bit about your your journey and now what you're doing today to serve clients. So Mike, I want to describe that mountain almost like retirement. Most folks go up the mountain of retirement, saving, investing, whatever, as they work their, their federal employee job or any kind of job. But let's just use, since that's our focus for today, they're saving in their 457 or their TSP or whatnot, and they're building up that retirement savings account. And now they're coming down the mountain. And in the moment, you know, there is tree roots or a market crash or whatever might befall us. And we can go flying off of our bikes and we need someone like Mike Grimm who can come back, listen for our, our cry for help and to come help us get back on our feet again. So with that, you know, stretched metaphor, maybe, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about the work you do and how you serve your clients today? Yeah, very good. I was a federal employee. I worked for the federal government for the National Nuclear Security Administration. I did that for over 20 years and, and retired from that. And so, you know, during that process, you know, I've, I've always had an interest in personal finance, always like to budget and plan and just believe, you know, we should be good stewards of our finances. And so once I went to the retirement process as, a, as an employee, you know, I, I started to see some opportunities where a lot of federal employees can get things wrong. Uh, federal employees have a great benefits package and, and whatnot, uh, pro- probably one of the, the last remaining pensions around. I know some state governments have that as well, but on a much larger scale, the federal employees have a, have a great benefits package. But if not navigated correctly, you can make some irrevocable choices that can cost you dearly in, in retirement. And I did see a lot of opportunity for that to, to, to go wrong. I had talked to a lot of others, you know, that were still working at the time and heard about their retirement stories. You know, and so many of them just believed that if they just got to the end of that finish line, that they'd be set for the rest of their lives. Now, while they got a pension, they really weren't set for the rest of their lives. It, it was far less than they had anticipated. And again, it was probably just because they didn't fully understand the system. So that's where I took a personal interest in this, wanted to be able to help feds navigate that, did a lot of study, a lot of coursework, and now work as a financial professional, helping federal employees navigate the retirement system. And before this, the type of work you did in for the federal government was what? Describe that for us. Yeah. So we were part of the Department of Energy and our main job was the safe and secure transportation of nuclear weapons. I worked with a lot of other federal agents, really good folks uh, dedicated to service and and helping the country and and take care of that uh, particularly interesting and and dangerous job. So now you're helping people with not quite nuclear weapons, but the important uh, valuable assets called their retirement plans, their pension plans. These are very could be very weapons of financial mass destruction if handled <laughs> improperly. So describe to us what is it about federal employees that makes them unique for financial planning? What distinguishes them in your work with clients now? Yeah, I, I think one of the the main things is that, like I talked about, they have a, a really fantastic, very comprehensive benefits package. You know, it's, it's kind of a three-tiered system for federal employees. They they have their basic benefits, which are, uh, you know, their FERS annuity. That's their defined benefit plan. They have a thrift savings plan, which is similar to a, a, a 401k. It's a defined contribution plan. And then the third leg for them is social security benefits. 
And so what, what I find is that, that the complexity of that comprehensive system, all those dollars touch, all of those benefits touch one another in, in one form or another. It, it's a concern for me that a lot of them have a false sense of security at that that pension will take care of them the rest of life. Now, pensions are fantastic. I've I received a pension. So that's a fantastic, stress-free <laughs> way to receive retirement income. But again, there are some other ways and some other things we can do to help optimize that, maximize that and shift people around the landmines that they don't even see out there and make sure that they're they're getting that in retirement as well. So you said defined benefit and defined contribution. Those are two different types of retirement plans. Would you mind just describing that a bit more for those who may not be familiar with those words? What what do those words mean? What does that actually do functionally for folks? And this, by the way, relates to folks who might be federal employees or not. You might have a defined contribution plan and work for a private company, for example. So would you mind just describing what's sure. the difference between those two? For the federal employee, there are two different types of retirement systems. There is the civil service retirement system, which for people hired before 1984, but the majority of federal employees today are FERS employees, and that's the federal employee retirement system. That's a defined benefit plan. And what that does, Mark, is that provides a lifelong payment, an annuity, if you will, to eligible federal employees when they retire. So that's a it's basically an agreement that says, as an employee, you will pay in a portion of your earnings into the system, and then the federal government will pay a portion into this. And that defined benefit plan then is run through a calculation through your, your time in service, your, your pay, and then they determine, well, what's that annuity going to be? Okay. So just compare that now against a defined contribution plan. Now, the defined contribution plan is a little bit different. That is called the Thrift Savings Plan. It is administered by the Federal Retirement Thrift Savings Board. And similarly, what they do is they say, if you put a, a portion of your earned income into the retirement system, the federal government matches that up to 5%. And uh, as that, that money is invested into basically the stock market, per se, um, in a variety of different funds, and hopefully at the end, those, those mature, they grow over time. And as you invest in that, then you hope to recoup all of that money into retirement. So those, that's the difference between defined benefit and defined contribution. So keen listeners might understand that the second one, the defined contribution, is in general sort of like a 401k, where the employer puts in a specific amount, a defined contribution, but the outcome is unknown. You said, you know, hopefully these funds mature and grow. That's the key word right there, in my opinion. Hopefully uh, these funds mature and grow. There is no guarantee except for the contribution. That's the last thing the government's on the hook for with a defined contribution plan or your employer when they put money into your 401k. That's the last thing they're on the hook for is that contribution. Contrast that with a defined benefit where there is a obligation on from the employer, whether it's the government or a private company, to provide a defined benefit in the future. A pension or an annuity is an example of that. So, you know, I guess that's, I think, interesting, if nothing else, that we are now shifting even our our last vestiges of the pension system, at least is now coupled with uh, something more like a 401k, even for federal employees. What concerns do you hear in your office when you're meeting with potential clients and your existing clients who are federal employees? One of the concerns has to deal with uh, newer employees. We talk about this defined benefit plan. 
we federal employees pay a certain portion of their income into this plan. Well, over the last several years, that percentage has increased significantly for newer employees. It's increased on two different occasions. And so what that has done is it, it, it puts more of the responsibility for the defined benefit plan on the employee, right, versus mm-hmm. the federal government. And, and there, we, we could get into a lot of reasons why that is, but it really is in just dealing with the, the, the budgetary constraints, you know, the, the continued struggles for the federal government in terms of uh, gaining revenue through taxes, et cetera. And it, it's a monster that I don't know that Congress is just going to be able to solve. So as a result, federal employees have had to pay more for that. So that, that's been one of the, the issues I, I think, uh, a lot of them have. The, the second thing is, is that the TSP is, is is a fine instrument in in what it's designed to do for federal employees. But prior to TSP, there was a group of employees that didn't have to do that period. And that was the, the aforementioned CRS employees, civil source retirement system employees. And the reason is, is the federal government put in a lot more money for that system. They didn't have a defined contribution plan for them. Now, when TSP came about, they were able to join that and they could participate, but they did not get matching funds. And the reason is because their retirement, their pension is so much better than a FERS employee in that regard. So, you know, th- there has been a shift, again, to more of the responsibility back on the employee. And there are some other things coming up right now that Congress is trying to determine. There's a bill or, or, or a proposed bill that talks about instead of a high three in terms of uh, looking at the years of service and making that a high five. And what that means is the government takes a look at your highest three years of earning uh, in the federal government, and they use that as a calculation to determine what your pension will be. Well, they're looking at changing that to a high five. And so what is that going to do, do you think? It will typically reduce the, the, the overall high three number, but it reduces that number so it could potentially bring the pension down a little bit. So there are some growing concerns about how solvent or, or structurally sound will the government be in, in terms of providing uh, defined benefits for their employees. I did not know that. That that would bring a concern to, I think, a lot of people. Uh, and there are, I guess, a number of changes happening in the federal employee landscape. When did you realize you first had a passion for this particular subset of Americans? Yeah. So, it, you know, it was interesting as, as I was a supervisor with the, 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 the uh, group that I worked with, I started taking an interest because I, I noticed a lot of new employees maybe just didn't have good personal financing skills or personal budgeting skills. You know, employees that I worked with, uh, worked a lot of overtime, had the potential to make some some really good money. But at the end, I always heard them talk about not having enough or issues with that or the other. So I would kind of geek out once in a while and I would provide a personal budgeting class and show them how to use spreadsheets and, you know, talk about finance and stuff like that. I just offered it as, as a a way for them to to have some additional knowledge and, and learn about personal finance. And so that's really where that was born. I happened to be married to another financial professional as well. And so uh, her background in terms of what she's been able to offer clients has also really interested me. And that, that started really to get me to thinking, how can I turn that knowledge and my knowledge about federal employees into something that will help federal employees to navigate that process? Well, that's right. I should mention Angie Grimm has been on our podcast too, guys. So uh, she's a specialist in helping parents navigate the complexities of the college funding 
project in one's life. And so you can listen to Angie speak about that. That's episode 244. Folks want to go back and listen to Mike's wonderful bride. And also, as you said, very incredible, stellar financial professional and bank on yourself professional as well. So that's thank you for bringing that up. And you know, you're right. Your story is sort of intertwined. And we were just talking before we hit record with uh, someone who had gone through the federal employee system. And she brought up a good point and an interesting point. She says that she still has a lot of friends who are working for the government. And the interesting thing she brought up was that there are a lot of her friends and colleagues who are working an extra, you know, 15 years beyond their early retirement date. And the longer they work at a job they sometimes hate, the longer they work there, the bigger a pension they'll get. And she brought up this interesting nugget that I hadn't thought of. Because you think about it, Mike, and yeah, the longer you work, the more money you're going to end up getting in your pension. Seems like a great carrot to hold at the end of that that career, you might say. The longer you work, the bigger your pension income might be. But in that event, taxes might also have gone up over the next 15 years. And so now you're getting this tax torpedo, this pension, which is taxable to us in retirement, and you're getting a bigger income which is all exposed to the tax air as soon as it gets delivered to your to your bank account or your mailbox as you receive that pension check each month. And if taxes have gone up in this country over the next 15 years, you literally could have worked longer, an extra 15 years, to get a larger pension reduced by a larger tax rate. So you might end up working longer, more years, for a net tax smaller benefit. It, so I don't know if there's a question in there or not, Mike, but Give me some feedback. Are we thinking about that concern correctly? And are there any other concerns that you think federal employees should be made aware of? Yeah, I, I think that can certainly be a, a, a consideration. What I think we find there is a lot of times that a lot of federal employees, they think they have to go through this process alone. And you know that that's where working with somebody who understands the system, understands the federal employee retirement system, uh, that the taxes that go along with that, you know, how to how to navigate that better, and you know, I don't believe a typical financial planner will understand each selection that one needs to make in that regard. And so the other thing we talk about all the time is start early. It really costs nothing to start your planning journey early. The Office of Personnel Management, which is OPM, most federal employees will be aware of that. They recommend starting at least five years prior to retirement, you know, to start your, your planning process. And, and I just recommend, well, that that's probably the minimum you want to start because there's so many considerations like you just talked about, Mark, that that's a big consideration. Do I want to continue working X number of years? Well, you have to ask yourself the question, why is it that I want to work those extra years? Do I really love my work? Okay. Federal employees are dedicated, patriotic people. I certainly some want to. They 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 have a unique skill set. Uh, others maybe can't fill that. And so, you know, they've decided I'm going to work a lot longer. I enjoy it. A lot of people don't though, right? They're they're working because they want to get to a certain dollar amount. They want to get to a certain pension number. And so all those are are certain considerations. But if you don't take a holistic approach to this and figure out everything else you have going on, you may be barking up the wrong tree and just focused on that one thing when maybe you didn't necessarily need to. It's one more example of the unfortunate reality of unintended consequences. You know, we work an extra 15 years believing that we're going to have a bigger income, but after taxes are factored in, 
we might end up with a net lower benefit uh, as a result. So it's so important, as you said, to start early. And you mentioned five years before retirement. Candidly, I would say start right now, at least talking with Mike, because maybe it's our assumption that working longer automatically means a bigger income in the future. But there's a lot of considerations there, things that Mike could help you look out for, roots on the ground to avoid, so to speak. I mean, can you imagine working 15 years when you didn't have to at a job that you didn't love doing? Now, there are, as you said, a lot of patriotic uh, and well-meaning federal employees who are doing their good work. But according to the U.S. Census Bureau, there were about 23, 24 million full-time and part-time employees of the U.S. government as of 2020. That's a lot of people who need your help, Mike. Where are you meeting folks? What kinds of process conversations do you have with them? What's it like to work with you and, and your team? I'm based out of Amarillo, Texas. However, I with, with Zoom and uh, the connectivity that we have, we're easily able to meet with clients anywhere in the in the country, essentially. And that's how I meet with most of my clients is through quick introductory phone call to make sure that we're a good fit for one another. And then we can just schedule a uh, financial kind of a discovery process. And that's where I really like to talk to federal employees about who they are, what it is that they want to do. All federal employees prior to their retirement will work with their agency benefit specialist. And those folks are critical. They are key in getting the first look for a federal employee to say, well, what could my retirement look like? What's the estimate look like? Is there a dollar amount? However, your federal uh, benefits agency specialist their difficulty is they're not trained as a, as a financial professional, right? They can tell you maybe how, but they don't necessarily know the why or how to ask the next question in, in terms of how that's going to really connect with all the other uh, benefits we're talking about. You know, and, and then we just, we help navigate all the TSP distribution options. So that's something else that benefits specialists will not be able to do. They can tell you what the distributions options are but they're not going to be able to tell you why one's an advantage over the other. Again, they're not trained to do that. Same with navigating the ever-increasing costs of their federal employee group life insurance. You know, while they have that, and in the it's a, it's a great benefit in the government while you're working, but as you retire, I then joke that that is the most expensive life insurance on the planet because it goes up every five years with age. Even while you're employed, it actually goes up with every pay increase. So it, it, wow. it's one of those things where a lot of federal employees don't realize there are options. You don't have to accept the Fegley options. There are many options out there that could help you with that. And so, again, our goal there is to provide them a roadmap and, and kind of lead them to success in that journey. Folks can, can email me if they'd like to. Uh, my email address is mike at fedbenpros.com. And the reason I give that out, Mark, is because I'd like to offer federal employees a copy of a book that I've written. The book is called Retire Competent as a Federal Employee. I offer it to all federal employees free of charge, or you could go to Amazon and pay $19.95 for it. But um, I offer it free. And, and that will really explain benefits in, in a more holistic approach and maybe ask some questions you hadn't thought of before about your own personal journey through the federal uh, retirement landscape. And then my website is www.fedbenpros.com. And there they could also sign up for a free copy of the book as well. That's awesome. So that's fedbenpros.com. And we'll have that in the show notes. And that's very kind of you to offer your book for free of charge. 
as we wrap up there, Mike, uh, give us a piece of advice or a resource that you use often in your practice just to help people who are still just trying to navigate this big maze, whether it's a, the distributions options on a TSP or their FERS pension plan and what they need to do there. What are some, I guess, a lasting tip or a bit of wisdom or insight that you could leave folks listening today? Yeah. So one of the things I do is when I meet with a federal employee, we can have a conversation and, and a lot of discovery, learning about what what's going to help them, uh, what's important to them, and then just for some real practical tips about uh, retirement. There's some facts out there that they're just not going to be able to get around. And so we deal with those head on. And so how I do that is once I've gathered that information, you know, I analyze all of that. I put it through the ringer. We, we, we give some various options and some different dates for retirement, things like that. But then what I always like to do is I always make sure I put a copy of a federal employee benefits analysis into their hands, right? And that is a, is a it's a copy. It's personalized for them. It, it goes through very detailed information about them, making sure that we've covered all their service dates. Anytime that they served in the military, we make sure we give them credit for that. We take a look at their TSP. We talk about the TSP distribution options, lay out what's good, what's bad. We cover the FEGLI, uh, the Federal Employee Group Life Insurance Options, and show them how they can start saving money uh, instead of paying the ever-increasing premiums on those. We take a look at their Federal Employee Health Benefits. So it, again, it's very comprehensive. At the end of that, that employee now has a very good roadmap that will show them exactly what's going to happen if they retire on this specific day. There are some assumptions built in there in terms of you know, cost of living increases, pay increases, some things like that. But again, we get them very close to having a, a, a finite number that says, here's what you can expect in retirement. And I always feel good about doing that because that sometimes it's the first time an employee's had a look at that and it really begins to uh, open their eyes. Love it. Thank you for that. And again, I'm just so struck by the experience that you and I had together several years ago in Jackson Hole. You and I went up that mountain relatively pain-free. I mean, in all the way pain-free. We just got mm -hmm. in a ski lift and <laughs> up we went. You know, it was so calm, so peaceful, walk, you know, watching the trees as we get to the top of this mountain. We unlock our bikes, we walk to the top, and now it's time to start coming down the mountain. And all of a sudden, every rock, every tree root, <laughs> every hill becomes not just something nice to look at from the safety of our ski, ski slalom or, or our ski lift, but now it's you know bumping, jerking, and, and in, in fact, throwing me overboard, uh, landing me in the emergency care room. <laughs> this is not unlike how it feels to retire. Because when you're putting money into a, a, you know, a TSP or something like it, you're just simply letting it go up and down, and you're not feeling the the bumps, the scratches, the 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 tree roots, and the wild animals that might cross your path. You're just simply going up your mountain, your little retirement mountain. But coming down that mountain, you really need Mike to show up next to you to make sure that if you let out a little scream, that he's going to turn his bike around to help you out and help you down that mountain safely. So Mike. Thank you for your help with me on that mountain that day. And thank you for the work you do for clients all across the country. Very good, Mark. It was a pleasure helping you. Thanks. <laughs> that was a great experience and a great metaphor in working with federal employees. Thank you, Mike, for coming on our show today and letting us get a sneak peek into the complex world of federal employee benefits. So just some quick takeaways I had from our conversation. First of all, if you are a federal employee, 
Start planning your retirement at least five years in advance and consult with Mike, who specializes in serving federal employees. Second takeaway I had, take a few moments and read through your pension benefits or reach out to your HR department just to get a sense of what your pension income will be. And third, decide for yourself what you think about taxes and only contribute into the TSP or if you work for a private company, a 401k, if you believe our country's taxes are going to be dramatically lower in the future. However, if you, like most people, think taxes are going to go up over the long term, you may want to consider diversifying where you park your retirement savings outside of TSPs and 401ks and the like. Next, remember that pensions are definitely amazing, but they're only amazing for income. Now, I got to say, you need income, but you also need access to large piles of cash. You need both. You need the income and the piles of cash that you need to help you with major purchases. And that's where Bank on Yourself really shines. And here's just one more bonus pro tip. Most people don't realize that you can take a bank on yourself type whole life policy and with a single sheet of paper, transform that pile of cash value into a guaranteed income that never runs out. Essentially, you can be your own pension. All right, so that is it for our episode today. I hope this was helpful for you. Whether or not you work for a government entity, there's so many benefits to understanding your future and getting clarity around what the contracts really mean that you have with your employer. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.